0: The Spendthrift Trust, Statutory Trust versus Contract Law Trust. It's going to be a very important presentation, but before I get into it, I need to give this disclaimer that I am not a licensed tax or legal advisor. I don't give tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice you should consult your own tax and legal and accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction. So I'll just introduce myself here. I'm Don Thornton. I'm a real estate investor, 21 years in the game. I'm known as Don the short sale guy in my investing circles because I've helped well over 3,000 homeowners uh, do short sales and save their credit from foreclosure. I am a senior trust specialist and I also own a trust. So in in this video today, we're going to talk about what's a trust and then delve into what's a statutory law trust and what's a contract law trust. And then we'll do a deep dive into IRS code 643B. And I'll tell you the story about how the IRS has vetted this trust. And finally, I'm going to show I'm going to tell you and explain why most attorneys and CPAs that are called upon to give an opinion about this trust what they get wrong. Okay so what's a trust it's a very basic question well ultimately it's a it's a contract between parties involved to grow assets for the benefits for the beneficiaries of the trust now these trusts can last for generations that's the whole point right and so what you're building uh in your wealth can be uh you know grown and, and most importantly preserved over many generations the most important thing about this is that you are in control ultimately you choose the type of trust and its jurisdiction you can make the decision to go with a statutory law uh, trust or a contract law trust and um so before we get into what you should do and what you shouldn't let's just talk about what they are so what is a statutory law trust well they are regulated by the uniform statutory trust entity act okay and they are also based on the law of the state where they are set up. Now, there are some benefits. You know, they, they do offer some more privacy. Uh, there's much more privacy uh, with a statutory law, uh, trust than uh, you would find in S-Corp, C-Corp, or LLC. For example, if you wanted to go look up my, my company in Florida, you just go to sunbiz.org and you'd be right there. Everything's there, right? Well, trusts give you a little bit more privacy. And then also um, you might be asking yourself, well, what are statutory law trusts usually used for? And honestly, in my experience, a lot of it's for real estate. And the whole idea is to pass down one's assets to family members. Uh, the most common trust you're gonna see is like a family revocable trust or a living trust. And the way, way statutory law trusts are set up is that the profits are always distributed to the beneficiary and they are usually taxed at higher levels of taxation. Remember that these types of trusts are what most attorneys and CPAs know, and they use them. Okay? Keep that in mind as we shift gears into what is a contract law trust. Well, it's based on private contracts. And ultimately, it derives its, its reason for existence from Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution which says that no state shall pass any law impairing the obligations of contracts. So ultimately, this means that nothing can come between you and the private contract that you create, and it supersedes statutory law. Now it's governed. Now you can't you know, have a a contract between two people to sell drugs to each other, that's illegal activity. We're talking about legal activity here, okay? But a contract law trust is not under the same uh, regulations as statutory law trusts are. Now, they do offer much better uh, privacy than even the statutory law trust, and they're normally used for advanced tax and estate planning rules. Each trust files a 1041 tax return. It's a complex trust. And that means that there's no requirement to distribute any income to the beneficiaries. That's really important. And we'll get into that later as we talk about IRS Code 643. Uh, and here's a key thing. You know, they, uh, they're they usually more expensive than statutory trusts. because in my opinion, they offer much more value. Therefore, they deserve the extra, extra expense. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes, People just can't find resources of experts, licensed experts on contract law trust, because most, like I said, most attorneys and most CPAs don't know them, don't know about them, a lot of them, and they don't use them. All right. We're going to get into that a little bit later about why that's an important point. But it's really important that we discuss what IRS Code 643B is. All right. Because this is the code. Uh, that allows this trust, the non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust, to be able to give you all of the tax benefits and reduction that this offers. So uh, four basic things about this. The proceeds of anything having to do with the trust, the income has to be allocated to the corpus of the trust. And the governing instrument cannot require the distributions are made to the beneficiaries. If you remember in the statutory law trust, usually they, that's what the, you know; those trusts require distribution to be made to the beneficiaries. And this in this contract law trust, they are not required to be distributed to the beneficiaries. And in this trust, a trustee can declare passive income to be an extraordinary dividend on the trust 1041 tax return. And that will engender amazing tax savings with this. And it must be a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex discretionary spendthrift trust to qualify. So let's look here. I'm going to go over just a snippet from the actual tax code here, and we'll talk about capital gains. Now, in this tax, you know, in this uh, with this tax code in this trust, gains from the sale or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded to the extent that such gains are allocated to corpus of the trust and are not paid, credited, or required to be distributed to any beneficiary during the taxable year. So this trust, in accordance with IRS code 643, eliminates capital gains taxes, right? Now, there's an extraordinary dividend that's involved here. And this basically is an instrument that is used to zero out a a, a trust tax return, a contract law, this trust tax return and I'll just go in and says, you know, this is again directly according from the tax code. For purposes of this subpart and subparts B, C, and D, the term income, when not preceded by the words taxable, distributable net, undistributed net, or gross means the amount of income of the trust for the taxable year determined under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends, which the fiduciary or the trustee, acting in good faith, determines to be allocable to corpus under the terms of the governing instrument and locable, and applicable local law shall not be considered income. Now remember, if something's not income, it's not taxable, all right? So let's talk about now how the IRS works with, how it has worked with this trust. Number one, this trust has been around for over 50 years there have been at least 79,000 trust clients in the history of this law firm. And you can imagine how many of them have filed taxes for their trust 1041s every single year. And I'm just going to reiterate, as far as we know, there's never been any audit on the IRS because it is legal. Now, this trust is, is, is copyrighted, and it was vetted by the IRS. There is an IRS private funding letter that talks about the extraordinary dividend and how that any income that's declared an extraordinary dividend in the trust is not considered income. I'll get into that in a little bit. And uh you know the six and when you when when any trust client or trust owner files a tax return for the trust, it's written all over the place that tax return that it is that that it's zeroed zeroed out due to the 643B exclusion on all the returns. Okay. So it's not like the IRS doesn't know about this trust. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say here. All right. So I want to tell you a story about the IRS agent who actually vetted this newly copyrighted trust. So, this, uh, when, the, when the trust was copyrighted, uh, the IRS requested that a copy would be given to them so they could go in and examine it and, uh, you know, make a determination about whether, you know, they think it's good or not. So, this now, Robert Benson, he was the attorney of record for the trust back then. This is in 2003. And this is the memo that he was given by the actual IRS agent that did this, all right? And this memo concerns endowments to the copyrighted spencer of trust. Generally, funds or endowments conveyed to a trust have no tax consequences to the party contributing the funds or endowments the beneficiaries or to the trust itself. Now, it goes in here and talks more about each of the, the uh, section, subtitle A, I'm not going to get into that right now. We're going to go fast forward to the bottom of the thing and where it clearly says that, you know, sale or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded to the extent that gains are eligible to the trust and not required by the government instrument to be distributed beneficiaries. So basically, he reiterates from the tax code that this trust is not, and this trust eliminates any capital gains taxes. And then he talks about the extraordinary dividend here as well. That it is not considered income. Now, here's the key part. He again, senior revenue agent with the Department of Treasury, responsible for the examination of corporate tax returns, real estate investment trusts, high income individuals, and relatable, related taxable entities, and the accurate application of tax laws. Right now, here's an interesting side note to this. Uh, once he retired, he actually got this trust for his assets, and so on and so forth. So, my point is, is that this is the agent. That went through and vetted this trust when it was copyrighted and you see that this is what his opinion letter was with the absolute this is 100 percent legal and accurate but that's not all we're going to show you. we're going to show you an irs private finding letter this is where uh some taxpayers there was a dispute about the inheritance uh, of a trust and what would be considered income because it was something was income then that should be divided by the to, the to the beneficiaries, and there was an issue there because part of this had to do with uh, income coming in uh, to the trust that was declared an extraordinary dividend and that and, and ruled not income. And so the taxpayers who were in dispute said, "We'd like for you to make a ruling because we think we should get that in that income." And here's and so there's this was the IRS private finding letter that was done back it was published back in February 6th of 2015. Now again, this is not directly have to do with our trust per se. It has to do with IRS Code 643 and why this is a legal strategy. Okay. So this is a ruling. It says that 643A defines the terms distributable net income as taxable income of the estate or trust with certain modifications. And it says section of 643B. Basically talking about that the term income when not preceded by the words taxable, distributable net, undistributed net, or gross means the amount of income the estate or trust for this taxable year determined under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends or taxable stock dividends which the fiduciary, acting in good faith, determines to be allocable to corpus under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law shall not be considered income. All right? They are quoting directly from the tax code. In this case, the court determined that the governing instrument in state law would characterize the monetary distribution from the LLC to trust as a return of corpus. As such, the monetary distribution from the LLC to the trust pursuant to a settlement agreement meets the definition of an extraordinary dividend under 643B and is not considered income within the meaning of that section. Accordingly, based on the facts submitted and the representations made, we rule that the monetary distribution from LLC to trust is an extraordinary dividend excluded from the definition of income within the mean of 643B. What that means, folks, is that th- this is completely known to the IRS, and it, the extraordinary, extraordinary dividend zeros out the, the, the money in the tax return, and it is not a taxable event, Okay. So, you know, this is proof of how this tax code basically, you know, when you declare an extraordinary dividend as trustee, it is not a taxable event for the trust. Now, listen, here's what attorneys and CPAs get wrong. Now, you've gone through all of this. I've stated my case, and I tell you what, this is where they go wrong most of the time, is that they do not understand contract law trusts. They only judge from what they know about statutory trust regulations. And they think that this in an extraordinary dividend, there's no such thing in a statutory law trust. Okay? So they think, well, it can't, you know, if it's not permitted in a statutory law trust, that means it's absolutely not permitted in the contract law trust. They don't understand it. And then the second thing we always hear is that they say, well, give us some case law proof. All right? Well, case law is derived from a court dispute. There's never been any disputes with this trust because it's all legal. That's the thing. And they are they are typically unwilling to admit that they don't know anything about IRS Code 643B. And so here's what normally happens. They say, well, I'm going to talk to some experts of trust, experts that I know, and I'm going to see what they think about this. And so all they're doing is they're going to the same statutory law attorney or CPA that they are. So what they're really what they're doing is they're trying to judge an apple, they're trying to judge an orange as an apple, and then they're going, to, you know, to get information about oranges from Apple experts. Okay. It these two trusts are apples and oranges. And so if your CPA or your attorney is a statutory trust statutory trust attorney or CPA, and they say, I don't think you should do this, well, they don't know what they're talking about because they're not experts in contract law, trust. Okay, and so if they say, "Well, I'm going to go ask some of my colleagues," they're just going to be asking about apples, and they won't give you an, they won't give you a true opinion about oranges because they don't understand it. And here's my thing: you are in control. I mean, they are financial advisors, but they don't pay your taxes. Okay, you do. So you have an opportunity to significantly. Legally lower your taxes, not to mention all the asset protection you get with this trust. But you're the one that has to make that decision, and and, you know you should ask them. Hey, if if I do follow your advice and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get this trust. Does that mean you're going to pay all the taxes that I'm going to pay by not doing that? Well, probably they won't. They won't agree to that. All right. So that's what ultimately you need to decide. That okay? Now I'm sure you have questions. Most people do. If you do, go here. To my Calendly link, once get, schedule a call or Zoom with me and be glad to talk with you. It's Calendly.com slash Don Thornton. My name is called D-O-H-N-T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N slash 30 minutes. I would love to talk to you. and We go in this more deeply. We are so transparent. We have nothing to hide about this trust. I'd be glad to get you all the information you need to make a knowledgeable, educated decision. And I want to thank you very much for taking the time to watch this video or listen to this podcast. Thank you.